We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to The Truth Perspective on the Soft Radio Network, the world for people who think. Today is Saturday, September 26th, and welcome back to another installment of The Truth Perspective, everyone. I'm your host, and with me in the studio today are SOT editors, James Chance. Hello, everybody. Karen Nicholson. Greetings. And Meg McDonald. Hello. Uh, Elon, uh, before you go on with the intro, I think uh, we already have a call. Um, already? Okay. Hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you, where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Alex Jones. I listened to your show last week. You want to talk rants? I'll show you how to rant. Uh, well, hi, Alex. Uh, uh, welcome to the show. Rants are extremely uh, valuable. Yep. And I'll tell you why. It's the new world order that's coming for you and your babies. Alex? They're out to kill us all, folks, but it'll happen over my dead body, I tell you. Yep. Those elites and globalists have been planning this for years. The information is out there. Okay, Alex. The pla- Hold on. The plan for the new American century, Global 3000, the UN's Agenda 2030. Just read Kissinger. Just read Zabrinsky. Yep. They're going to take away our guns. You okay. can read it in black and white, folks, black and white. We have the entire federal martial law plan exposed here. Yep. You think the military won't kill us citizens? Watch it happen. It's time for the sheeple to wake up. Wake up! Okay. And the camps, folks, the camps. You think Guantanamo is bad? Just wait till you see what they do to us citizens here in our country. FEMA and the federal government have a great pit with your name on it. Prepare yourselves. Prepare your families. Prepare your friends. It's coming. They're coming to, to take our guns. This is radio, and you can't see what my middle finger is doing right now. But if you guess that it's aimed at the killers of truth and oh, justice okay. and the Constitution, you get a gold star. Yeah, Alex, uh, thanks, thanks a lot for for all that. You know, our that was actually our, our last week's topic was uh, you know on ranting, and um, it was actually a little bit different context. But um, you know, I, I I'm just wondering, um, you know, your your message. You, you know, I know you're known for being a very uh, aggressive and and uh, passionate about. Don't call me aggressive. Oh. This is a new world order we're talking about. Oh. People have to wake up. They're coming to take our guns. Okay. Well, well, thanks a lot for the call, uh, Alex. And we, we we appreciate it. You ought to thank yeah. me. I'm the only one speaking this way. Uh, goodbye. Jeez, Louise. Wow. You think you actually listened to last week's show? I mean, I I thought we had some constructive uh, instruction about. He was too busy talking to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. He's 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 pretty he's pretty intense, and I, I don't think he really understood, you know, when we we're talking about, you know, the rants that, you know, it's not just this outpouring of uh, jibber jabber, I guess. And and emotion. I mean, he. It, it seems like. Uh, what he really was intending to do is get people riled up, as riled up as he is. And, yeah. Uh, I I don't know if that uh, if that creates a um, the kind of objective, um, reasonable uh, 
uh, calm way of looking at things that enable us to respond to uh, all the things that he mentioned, even if a, a lot of it's true. Uh, we we have another caller uh, on uh, waiting online. Um, hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Pete. Calling from uh, hey, Pennsylvania. Pete. Hi, Pete. Hi, how you guys hey, doing Pete, today? How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. 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 Hey, great to hear from you. Um, say, so listen, you know, I had a, uh, a question. I was reading one of your articles about this uh, California lake that uh, just went dry overnight. Mm-hmm. Was that the yeah, one with, was, uh, like, the dead fish that we're seeing? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I was I was just curious. What what did you guys think about something like that? What could cause something like that? Well, the, um, yeah, that, I was actually just taking a look at that as well. Um, you know, it seems to be, you know, you look at, like, all the different stuff going on in California with the, their, like, intense, intense drought uh, that, that's been, you know, that they've been facing for, you know, the past couple of years. And along with uh, the, you know, the wildfires, uh, that was another subject that we kind of wanted to get into. And, um, you know, and, and who knows if it's also connected with what's going on, you know, beneath the the surface as well. Um, yeah, that's what I was. So that's what I was kind of wondering too. If it has something to do underground, if any, if you thought maybe it had something to do with that as well. Well, there have been several earthquakes in California that were too small to be reported in the news, but there's constantly the earth is constantly moving around out there. So there might have yeah. been something that happened under the lake where the water drained. There, there's right. also uh, aquifers. Uh, under the surface of the the land, and many, many, many of those have gone dry. Um, And aquifers have been tapped um, for the agriculture that is remaining, and so that, you know, they are are no longer a source. And this one probably just hung on longer than maybe some of the others. I got you. I see what you're saying. It's interesting. Yeah, no, I I was looking at that. I was wondering what your guys' take was on that. That's uh well that's yeah that's actually oh, uh the theme of our, that's actually the theme of our show today. Um no, okay. we are discussing earth changes, so thanks for ushering in the uh that topic, Pete, because um it it's uh it's something that we've been uh thinking about um here at the Truth Perspective for the past week. I mean there there have been so many uh anomalous um events that uh maybe not anomalous in the in that they've never happened before but right. uh, certainly with not as much frequency and um and intensity as as we've seen over uh the past few years and especially the past few months yeah well, yeah that, i also kind of the, the, oh, i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead Shane. that's okay no i was just going to say you know these uh these types of events um you know they're often called you know rare or um and it's 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 a troublesome word because you know they're not really rare, but they are like you said, Elon, anomalous and um, and you know they're 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 out of the ordinary, but they're becoming more common. You know, so it's just like this. Uh, I I don't know if the the news media, you know, when they're focused on just these like localized things, are no, yeah, you, know, you really don't see putting, anything about it on, things together. On. Yeah, you don't see much about it on the news media and stuff. That's why, you know, I tune into SOT to get my most of my information. You know, you guys touch base on all the important stuff, so. 
I also had noticed there was something about um, some pink water in Santa Barbara. Yes. That, you, you, that know, you know what? I, I know what. I used to live in Santa Barbara, and um, oh. it, it is it is one hell of a stench. <laughs> And oh, wow. uh, I actually have I have a little bit of information on that. Um, it's purple sulfur, sulfur bacteria in Santa Barbara Bird Refuge, um, which is kind of a, a a little pond area adjacent to the ocean. So it gets some fresh water, but it doesn't get a lot of fresh water. Um, okay. And and this purple sulfur bacteria actually consumes hydrogen sulfide sulfide. Oh. S-U-L-F-I-D-E, and yeah. um, it, it can only exist where there is hydrogen sulfide. And this hydrogen sulfide is a is a really deadly poison. Um, it can it can come and go in different places. Um, people walking into you know like a low lying area, and uh, if, a few sniffs of this, and you know they're they're dead in the trench. So oh, this wow. is a very suffocating type of gas um it's uh, methane is is also the other one that is being released and uh it it's just you know the the purple sulfur bacteria in Santa Barbara bird refuge will last you know 3 4 weeks they'll come in and try and do some treatments and those kinds of things that usually just has to die up and i'm guessing that once the uh, hydrogen sulfide is has uh, gone then that's that cleans up the the uh, bird refuge and so that, that's like a naturally occurring thing too, or that's uh, one of these uh, earth changes going on that's causing something like that. Um, I don't know how long it's been going on. If it's, I don't, and I don't know the frequency of it, um, but I know just every every three or four years, having lived in Santa Barbara, that that occurs. So, um, oh. Oh. yeah. That's interesting. It sounds quite dangerous too. I'm glad I don't live out there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, um, well, you know, this is just a couple of questions I had, you know, for you guys. Uh, thanks for calling. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, Nate. I. Good to hear yeah, from you. Yeah, I. Thank you, thank you for your input, guys. I'll continue to listen to the show and see what else comes up. Yay! Yay! All right. Take care, Pete. All well, right, all right. Thanks much. again, guys. What's that, Elon? All right. Well, oh. I was just going to add to your, um, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting topic. Um, Back in 2010, we had a, a scientist from A&M University, uh, an oce- oceanography professor, John Kessler, uh, actually go into the, the Gulf. And um, you know, j- just to add to this point that Karen was making, and to uh, elaborate a little bit more on your question, um, mm. you know, it, it, these are um, you know these are things that have been measured and and uh, and seen historically even. Uh, you know, methane explosions coming from from lakes and other regions and set off for certain reasons. Um, but uh, like we were saying a little earlier, the intensity is quite high. Anyway, yeah. um, this article says that uh, the methane in the Gulf, in particular, has been astonishingly high. Wow! Um, and uh, after a ten-day research uh, expedition, the professor um, says that. The measurements from the surface and the deep water uh, that he was measuring within a five-mile radius of the uh, British Petroleum broken wellhead have shown uh, incredible amounts of methane there in particular. I'm um, sure that's not helping, yeah. Yeah, it, it's sort of, uh, 
it's it's you know you have to wonder how much the the oil and the and the core exit and all those chemicals exasper, uh, exa- exacerbated exacerbated an yeah. already pre-existing uh, condition there. Yeah, um, interesting thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you know, a large phenomena around these uh, these emissions of, of main gas and yeah. massive die-offs of fish. I'm, I'm sure there's a yeah. I'm sure there's a lot that you know. A lot of these things, once investigated, point back to some kind of man-made horror that we're creating on the planet. Well, yeah, that's actually uh, something that uh, that's recently been in the news too. I think uh, the Daily Mail had a had an article saying you know basically global warming is responsible for releasing uh, these uh, explosive and violent levels of methane uh, underground. And yeah, it's. I, I have to think that with all the things that we're seeing, um, you know, the earthquakes and coals and uh, and so on, you know, it it looks more like there's you know, something happening with the, the crust of the earth, you know. Yeah. Um, and when, you know, we're gonna get into the global warming stuff a little later, but you know, it's just uh, it's mind-boggling to see how. You know, global warming is pretty much responsible for everything. Anything. You know, it's uh, it's just baffling sometimes. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, just on that point, Shane, you know, it's, and it's something we've talked about here before. Um, what, what the whole glo- global warming idea uh, permits in people's minds is the notion that uh, we human beings are completely responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, in that sense, for uh, weather change um, and and other conditions, and more so, it's just an excuse for guys like Al Gore to create um, their economic plans for taxing um, pollution. Um, and it's really, it's kind of, it's almost a it, unless we read the science. Uh, it's a masterful stroke in in uh, mass manipulation and and confusion around the subject because if you if you say that you know if you contradict it then of course you're denying reality um, but it's not reality as it's presented to be. Well, it's this pathological reality that they've uh, put out there that they want everybody to accept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, my kind of take on it, too, yeah. Well, listen, guys, I'll let you get back to your discussion, and I do, like I said, thank you for all your input and stuff like that. I'll continue to listen in on the show and uh, stuff. Uh, yeah, Thanks uh, for everything. Yeah, thanks for your time. Okay, I'll um, talk to you guys soon, then. Take care. All right, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, Alrighty, bye-bye. So we, we've noticed... Um, quite an uptick in strange weather events. I mean, there do, there doesn't seem to be a day that goes by that thought doesn't have at least half a dozen severe uh, reports of uh, hurricanes or tornadoes or floods. Um, you know, I was watching the last installment of the Earth Changes uh, video uh, a couple of weeks ago, and... and um, it has some really dramatic uh, video clips of 
flooding in various places in Asia um, and Europe. And uh, the following day, I, I was driving to work, and there were uh, literally sheets of rain. That, uh, and I've, I've experienced a lot of um, hard rain before, but this was just uh, torrential. And it seemed like if it had gone on for just a couple more hours, there would have been severe flooding where I was. Where I was, and it, it kind of drove home the point that, you know, even if you're not um, at the receiving end of many of these types of uh, weird weather events, among other things, uh, it's it could happen uh, at any time. Uh, and on that note, I was uh, I know that we have some stats here that point to this huge uptick uh, in weird weather. Well, I mentioned some of those, Karen. Well, first, I, th- I think we need to distinguish between weather and climate. And weather is a short-term uh, event. Um, it's, it's, it's for short periods of time, and climate is, is something that can take decades or, or centuries. So, that's just a clarification. When we're talking about weather, we're talking about things happening on a daily, weekly, you know, maybe even yearly cycle type business. But but climate change uh, spans a whole whole lot longer than that. Um, we have 1,500 potentially active volcanoes in the world. And um, five of, 500 of these have erupted in historical time that we've been able to track uh, through ice cores or other other kinds of um, markers. Uh, Forty volcanoes are erupting right now. Um, Thirty-four of those are along the Ring of Fire, and of course that seems to fluctuate day to day. Seems in the last week or so, we've had several other uh, eruptions coming up. Um, we have super volcanoes, uh, such as the one in Yellowstone. There's um, ones in Iceland, Bolivia, Chile, Italy, and they're all showing certain signs of uh, potential activity, um, which is is very worrisome. Super volcano can just you know make mass devastation all over the world, and it only takes one. Um, the Ring of Fire has 90% of all of the earthquakes and 70 76% of all the volcanic eruptions. And uh, the West Coast has so far been uh, left out of the loop, but that's that's pretty momentary um, for ramifications. Um, we we have stink poles happening all over on a daily basis, and those. Um, there, there are certain uh, qualifications for a sinkhole to happen, and then there, and basically that comes from a karst terrain with a type of of uh, underground rock system, um, and that's that, that's the kind of ground that can be dissolved by by groundwater. So if you have groundwater that is is eliminating the terrain underneath the surface, you can have an immediate sinkhole. And those those are frequent, you know, they, they haven't really fast and, and are, seem to be more frequent. Um, I don't know. It's just that it just seems to be all, as you say, Olan and, and 
activity, certainly California fires with the drought situation there is, is way past critical. Um, I know Meg has some stats on, on the fires, um, how many are happening right now, and uh, it's 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 tragic. Yeah, and just to touch on um, what you're talking about, about statistics, I went and looked in the SOT database and looked for I went back, you know, five years, four years, three years, two years, and um, just to give a comparison, like the volcanoes in 2015, there's been we've reported 42 eruptions, and then 2012 there were 30, um, and then you have earthquakes. We've reported um, this is from August to September of 2015 and 2012 respectively, but there were 39 earthquakes reported in that 30-day period in 2012, and they've been 75 reported. In 2015, so it's been definitely an uptick. Um, but as far as wildfires um, in California, it shows that there are 10 uh, burning right now. Um, so far, 141,000 acres have burned that aren't necessarily in a defined area. But you have like the Valley Fire, which is in the news. 77,000 acres have burned. Um, we have. So just just to give a sense, I mean that's. Dozens of square miles. Yeah, yeah. Of, Across of, the U.S. is eight million eight hundred thousand acres so far this year. Eight million eight hundred thousand acres, and the most recent would be in 2012, which was eight thousand eight million three hundred thousand acres as of the same date. So as of September 18th, there's eight million eight hundred thousand acres burned in the U.S. for wildfires. And that's only California. That that's, that's there. the United States. Yeah. United States. Yeah, the United States. Um, they've had uh, wildfires in Canada in the Alberta and British Columbia areas. It's six large wildfires. Um, covers 17 states within those um, areas. In California itself, um, 75,000 so far. But that's only the Valley River or the Valley. Uh, fire. There's 10 active right now. Um, 16 structures have been burned. There's three separate wildfires in this one particular classification of wildfire. It's just, it's running rampant. And those 10, are those like the major uh, wildfires? Because I know in August, too, like, you know, there was, there was hundreds uh, that broke out, um, you know, all throughout California. It was, it was baffling looking at a map and seeing uh, all the places that you know that were just like in flames. Um, you know, I know I, I saw another. There's another report where 2015. Yeah, you know, it was the. It was basically a record breaker uh, for you know for wildfires and you know, and this is all across the United States. But you know, with um, as we were talking earlier, the just the the extreme drought that uh, California is experiencing you know, that lens, uh, you know, big hand in, in you know, facilitating all these fires, and you know, it's like the whole state's on fire. So we have these tremendous uh, droughts in California. We have uh, flooding in areas that that have never received the types of uh, levels of rain that they that they've gotten. It's like everything is completely out of balance, out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's like the extremes. It, it is in balance, but it's, it's in balance in the extremes. And it, it, we, I think we know that drought and, and flooding are like 
sides of the same coin. You have it, it just kind of works out that way. Um, regarding the earthquakes and you know volcanic eruptions, um, you know, with the statistics that you were talking about earlier, Karen, um, yeah, I know from so there was another report that's uh, that was put out early in the year, but of course valid. So from 1980 to 1989, there's an average of 108 earthquakes per year. Mm -hmm. But in 2000, 2009, there averaged 160 uh, earthquakes a year, which is a 40% increase. Um, and these aren't just uh, you know small earthquakes. These are this is looking at the uh, magnitude six or, or greater. So you know it's it's not just that these things are happening more frequently, but the intensity is also getting stronger, which you know is an important factor too. I think. Um, and relating to that too, you know, I think uh, you know one of the big uh, Earth changes stories uh, this month was uh, the 8.3 uh, earthquake in Chile, um, which was also followed by um, the you know a tsunami, uh, and which which just like devastated the country um, or the, and the air the area that was hit, which was uh, north of Santiago in Chile. I think um, you know, there's almost 16,000 people uh, who, who were killed, which is um, a similar number to the Japan earthquake in, I think it was in March of uh, 2011. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're seeing these really, really strong uh, earth change events happening, you know, more and more frequently. And, and it's just... Um, it's it's fascinating and um it's just really interesting to see how you know the uh, mother age, mother nature is kind of responding in a similar way when we look at you know all the social changes and the political landscape you know what's happening on the uh geopolitical chessboard you know all these things are intensifying so you know the question is you know what's what's going on like you know how is is there uh some interrelationships between all these things because it's you know it's not you know i think um in particularly in you know uh, western society but you know most specifically within uh the united states there is this you know this very specialized way of thinking where uh where you know you find it in education science and yeah, you just look at, you know, one single thing and you specialize that in that and you look at all the details and it's just like this myopic uh perspective and you know there often isn't this um more holistic way of of looking at things. But when you step back and analyze um all these different types of events that are happening on the planet, uh, you know the earth changes and what's going on geopolitically what's happening to our society um there is just this massive uh intensification and um this this uh, destruction and you know all these things are just like uh, culminating yeah i mean you you really have to wonder um i think all too often we we look at these things and um we don't have any kind of 
uh, explanation or 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 reasoning for how they could be happening all at the same time, seemingly all simultaneously. Um, so we chalk it up to coincidence, or we just kind of shunt it off in in separate corners of our brain, uh, or we we kind of go in the opposite direction and and uh, go back to the good old uh, you know King James version of the Bible. Um, you know, the fire and brimstone, and and so it's it's uh, God's vengeance or or, um, or something of the like, um, which is uh, kind of simplistic, but it's it's what it's all that many people have. Um, an interesting thing about uh, California that I was reminded of uh, Shane when you were pointing out that the the drought was. Uh, part of the reason why so much of California is burning right now um, is that there was a similar phenomenon in the 30s. You know, we had uh, the Dust Bowl uh, here in the U.S., and, and it was one of the worst uh, droughts and, and the worst times for the so-called breadbasket uh, or agricultural uh, lands of the U.S. when um, when much of that was being rendered useless because of the the windstorms and and the lack of uh, um, precipitation, but all of that was happening um, on the doorstep of World War II. Mm-hmm. All of that was happening uh, just after the stock market crashed in '29, mm-hmm. and and the U.S. was seeing the worst depression it had ever had up until that time. So, you know, a, a question we can ask, I think, is, you know, are are we seeing a repeat um at least in in some kind of pattern of um socioeconomic uh militaristic drives uh connected to uh earth changes that really make the problem for the average person of of just daily living far worse well you mentioned fire and brimstone and uh listeners may Notice that that was uh, the subtitle for our show, and now that it's a it's an interesting phrase, and it's commonly found and and referred to in in uh, the both the Old and New Testament, and you know, it's uh, for example, is in Genesis, and it's where God comes in and destroys Sodom and Gomorrah with a rain of fire and brimstone, and so this uh, uh, and it's also used as a phrase uh, to refer to like you know Christian a uh, certain type of Christian preaching, uh, just preaching fire and brimstone, uh, kind of you know ranting and raving type stuff. Like Alex um, Jones. Yes, exactly like Alex Jones. But you know this, uh, particularly this this passage with um, you know raining down fire and brimstone. Uh, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, what does that mean? And so brimstone, um, it, it's, uh, it can be referred to as sulfur, um, but also you know, a rock that's on fire. So when you think about fire, raining down fire and these rocks of fire, that's, uh, um, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, oh, okay, you know, comets, cometary bombardment. Um, which is you know, a topic that um, we discuss a lot on thought, and um, and you know particularly 
Laura Knight Yacek's work, um, and there's you know a whole series uh, that you know was started years ago on the um, just this this cosmic uh, phenomenon that is playing you know, such an um, influential role that none of the mainstream uh, scientists are, are, are acknowledging at all. Um, there's a section uh, on uh, Fire in the Sky, and you, know, you can go through and, and, and check that out. And um, a lot of the you know, research that has been compiled, you know, it, it, it goes to show that you know, what is happening on a larger level uh, with um, not just, uh, you know, these big space rocks, you know, that that's one school of thought that there's these big space rocks that are going to come and uh, destroy the world, but that, you know, like the with the work of Victor Klub, that, you know, there is a significant threat from just this commentary dust. Uh, that exists that you know, that the Earth uh, periodically moves through, and that this changes the atmosphere of the Earth, uh, which can you know, it, and it's like it has this um, uh, I don't want to say trickle down effect, but you know, there there's all these other uh, things that tie in with that, with uh, um, you know, from atmosphere changes to Earth changes to things going on. Uh, beneath the surface even of the of the earth and within the crust and um you know it's a it's a huge huge topic and you know and it does the the thing about it is that it ties in so many of the things that we're looking at global warming doesn't address uh the issues all the issues that we're that we're looking at you know it's it's such a a small uh perspective and it's uh and you know and that's not even getting into the you know the manipulation and you know the lies and the uh, just the really bad science that you know that's involved. Um, well, Shane, you you know you you mentioned uh, this kind of trickle down effect, and actually I think that's a a pretty accurate way to uh, to describe some of what we're seeing. Um, you know, if if you haven't yet, folks. Uh, Pierre Lesquadron's uh, Earth Changes and the Human Cosmic Connection um, explains this really well. It's got a fantastic uh, chart, actually, on page 220, um, where it kind of um, it kind of outlines how you know the approaching uh, nemesis, which is a theorized you know binary star, kind of sun. Uh, is entering our part of the galaxy um, along with an accompanying cometary swarm, uh, which then brings all of this cometary dust into our atmosphere. Um, you know, it, it's this dust that contributes to the slowdown of the Earth uh, into uh, creating clouds um, and global cooling, um you know the the jet stream uh is affected peripherally uh and there's actually a kind of a almost imperceptible down in the planet's rotation uh causing things like uh you mentioned the earth opening up so uh 
have been reported sinkholes in, in Brooklyn, New York City. I think there are like three or four alone uh, in the past year, uh, just opening up in streets. And, um, you know, how many times can folks explain this away as, uh, you know, some kind of infrastructural uh, damage? Uh, you know, this has never, this has never happened before. Um and we also mentioned that earthquakes and volcanoes are are also the kind of uh results of this this slowdown in the earth and and things kind of moving in ways that they're um that they haven't uh previously so uh you know getting back to um earth changes and uh especially um uh global cooling versus uh global warming um you know it seems that there's a great deal of work it seems like there's a great deal of scrambling going on on the part of uh the powers that be to to control this narrative even now um you know so one of the things that was pointed out recently on SOT is uh is that there is uh NOAA which is like the best weather service authority, um, basically fudging uh, the stats on global temperature change. And um, and they're doing this ahead of the UN climate change meeting that's coming up. Um, and really, they're just trying to bolster uh, global warming uh, explanation for everything, as we were discussing before, uh, and erasing the 30-year cooling trend that that we've been witnessing. Uh, well, basically, they're they're um, trying to put out the idea that you know this um, this pause, global warming pause, you know, which uh, is acknowledged by you know even the uh, IPCC and. Uh, you know, and now, now you know they need to backtrack basically and and say, oh well, you know, it, it really never existed. And uh, I was going on uh, Anthony Watts' website, What's Up with That, and you know, he has some really good uh, material to you know deconstruct all the the myths and the lies. And it was interesting to see, you know, so this uh, reformulating of uh, data, um, which is, is exactly what they're doing, is basically, you know, taking um, these key uh, measurements um, that you know they have found to be accurate, and you know, using that as a basis to extrapolate uh, other data. Uh, so you know, there's it's something like 66% of the data uh, that that's used in these estimations. Or that's used are just estimations. You know, it's not actual data. So they run it through a model that they've created. These models that have been abysmal in uh, accurately predicting, you know, the the actual temperatures that we're seeing year after year. And you know, it's it's just like they're coming. They're they're just making uh, this information up out of thin air. And it's it's just it's it's just so bogus. Um, so yeah that you know that that's that's been in the news uh lately and yeah you know, if uh, if you ever want to get riled up just to uh, do a search on global warming and see what the the latest is and 
Uh, it's just this constant uh, barrage of moronic nonsense. Well, it, it kind of reminds me of um, you know, our discussion uh, about intelligent life in the universe and um, how we how we've kind of narrowed things down so much to you know human beings um, being the maybe it's not a great analogy but uh, human beings kind of being the sole arbiter of of, of what happens here and and leaving at the equation of uh, of you know objective data looking at uh, looking at cosmic changes looking at um, global warming uh, so to say as it exists on planets and in the Milky Way galaxy as well where there is no anthropocentric you know emission of uh, greenhouse gases um, and uh, it's part and parcel of the type of programming that's keeping people from uh, recognizing our our part in uh, the greater scheme of things. Well, they aren't, they aren't taking into consideration natural causes. Um, you know, they there has definitely been solar irradiance changes. Um, the historic damp down where we haven't had uh, such a minimum uh, since. Uh, I think it was 1906 was the the last very uh, solar minimum uh, record. And uh, we definitely have significant correlation between cloud cover and cosmic rays. Um, It affects the temperature. And um, the temperature rise and the CO2 increase uh, are proving to be very weakly correlated. Uh, There's not much to that. Uh, human activity contributes to 0.28% to greenhouse gases, not even 1%. Um, glacial retreat started 150 years ago um, before the CO2, supposed CO2 rise. And sea levels started to rise some 100 years before the supposed CO2 rise. And since 2003, global temperatures have actually been falling. Um, and so you, you have to wonder, is this long, a long, very long-term climate change? Is this simply due to the emergence from the last ice age? You know, why wouldn't we consider our, our circumstances today going all the way back to the last ice age? And uh, Karen, we also have a caller on the oh, line. Sorry. Uh, Jonathan from Tampa Bay is on the line. Uh, Jonathan, are you there? Yes, I, yes, I am here. And, uh, Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Dan. Welcome to the show. I, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, I have a few things to say about this. Um, I'm in the ecological uh, – I have the only ecological landscaping company in Orlando. When you consider there's a million people here, that's a pretty astounding uh, fact. And, yeah. um, and like, like I said last week, um, you know, about this global warming thing, I, I really think that it's a, a – it, it's a uh, – it's a displacement. It's a way to occupy people's attention and keep people divided when um, the very in-your-face, tangible, evidence-based um, activities of humans um, associated with fossil fuels and chemicals and are just are embedded practices uh, make everything more polluted and more ugly every day. So this thing about climate change um, 
it's very interesting because, like, say, a 1% um, human, human-caused um, contribution to this greenhouse gas, um, you could definitely show models that that 1% has humongous, um, hu- humongous impact on what we experience. So I don't – I listen to these debates. And um, it's like a religious thing that if what people want to believe about it, they can go and they can seek very um, well-argued positions, either pro or con. But my point is this. I don't get involved in it because I believe that the, the, the predominance of this debate actually keeps people from focusing on very real things that we do that damage our environment and our health in our everyday lives. So if they can keep us um, occupied in this and then hating other people that have a different view, that's the, divi- that's the divide and conquer strategies that are used by status quo power interests to keep things going along as they, as they happen, which everything gets more polluted and ugly every day. And, um, like for example, what, uh, one thing I've noticed, and it's very it, it's it's very disturbing to me. Um, like say for example, a debate on uh, capitalism, and there's other guys a socialist, blah blah blah, right? Well, what I tell people is that capitalism's a massive failure. There's no even argument about it. I don't get involved in any debates about it because it's very clear that it's not sustainable. We're it's, it's heading toward collapse. Everything gets uglier and more polluted. So if what they call capitalism can't change that trajectory, that we have industries that heal the damage and, um, and stop the, uh, the, netiv- the, the, the negative uh, pollution impacts, everything getting worse, then it's just it's on the surface this system is a massive failure. There's no, there's no, there's no point even arguing that fact because it's just it's just – there's no evidence against what I just said, right? But um, I really well, believe, I think like I said, the, I think the debate you know that you're talking about, you know, really doesn't. There's not a, a real uh, intellectual debate, like you said. You know, it's it's all framed. When you know you turn on uh, the the news, you know, you have somebody like um, an entertainer, like Bill Nye the Science Guy, who is you know debating some. You know, right-wing nut uh, who you know it, it could be you know somebody like Sarah Palin or whatever you know, and that's that's classified as a debate, and it's not. You know, there's no there's no real substance uh, coming from you know either side, and um, and I think that well, for one, it's a turnoff, but it's it's not a real representation of the issues, and you know, I kind of see the the whole aspect of corporal uh, pollution and, you know, just the destruction of the environment from them as uh, it's an important issue, but I think it's separate from you know, what we're seeing in terms of the uh, hu- huge uh, earth changes that, that are that are happening on the planet. And kind of the point that, you know, we're trying to make here is that you know, people can be diverted uh, from looking at you know this this interconnectedness and what's happening beyond just you know what's going on 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 our planet you know this is a, it's, it's really a cosmic phenomenon um, 
you know, we're seeing Earth changes or we're seeing planetary changes on, you know, uh, Mars and, and other planets as well. So it seems that there's a, a larger thing that, you know, we need to be looking at. Yeah, and, and I agree, but the, the puzzling part of the, these discussions um, are like this. Like, like just for example, um, the terms that we use like climate change, and anybody mm-hmm. anybody can just really just surmise climate is always in a, in a process of changing. And um, so it's, a, it's an unfortunate um, label for phenomena that just seems self-evident to be just part of the condition of living uh, on any planet, right? Um, so, like what you just said about these um, the non-debate, um, I believe that that that's really the that's really the rule across the board when it comes to immigration, um, when it comes to the economy. You get these little five-minute snippets of people that will will present uh, a very uh, a very um, a very tangentious, uh, very uh, aggressive argument, and you get five minutes of it, and then you go to the commercial break, and we're just we're really not having discussions. We're really not um, we're really not getting together as human beings um, outside of the hierarchical power structures and solving problems in our communities, and that's the that's the divide and conquer that we've been on forever and ever and getting back to what you just said about these larger changes the earthquakes the you know tsunami drought all of that um i just per- i personally can't really wrap my my mind around you know uh if this is true or not um one thing you would i would have to see uh i would have to see like a historical record of the occurrence of these events, you know, how often they happen, and then you would develop a, a narrative showing that it's happening more frequently. And, and then at the end of the day, uh, again, you know, okay, so then then us knowing this, us talking about it, are we, are we going to also talk about things that are happening in our own communities that we could do something about with our cooperation our ingenuity, our intelligence to mitigate and make better the the tragedy that's unfolding in front of our very eyes. You have to get you have to get out of opinion debates and get into facts and, and Yeah, but that will never happen. That's impossible because you can point to a fact two plus two equals one. Now why is why is two plus I mean two plus two equals four? Why is that even important? Why is that salient? Then you have to put those facts into a narrative. And any time you put facts into a narrative of why this is important, and then you argue mm-hmm. a position, that's going to be your ideology, i.e. opinion. That's not your conclusions and what you're driving at with the importance of your narrative. It's going to be outside of just pure fact. It's going to be in the realm of opinion and ideology, and you can never, ever escape that. It's never going to happen. Well, I, I think that it I think that it comes off that way, um, and and can certainly be um, seen that way for those, as you say, Jonathan, who don't have the uh, the statistical kind of objective data 
that points to how all these things are true and and have presented to them in a narrative that shows that it's how it's not only happened before um and for similar reasons but how it's how it's happening now and um a lot of this has been uh has been really um discussed in depth over the years for over 10 years on on SOP um you know from looking at uh, Mrs. O'Leary's cow in the Chicago fires of 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 the 19th century to uh the Tunguska event uh in in Russia um you know all of these data points and and uh and research by guys like Victor Klub uh for instance um they all look at the historical record um they all point to uh cycles in history uh where these things have happened again and again and again um and and when we see enough of that type of material uh it i think it leaves the realm of a, of opinion um and and conjecture and uh and subjective um kind of um offers of explanations to something else uh and another part of this is you know before before we can um before we can make any kind of uh plan um for community or at least tangentially making a plan for community we have to uh we have to see what is um and we have to acknowledge what is what was what's occurring um and it really takes a great deal of of looking at this sort of material um to to build this picture of of what what is or what may be objective reality. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, and, and and I would just and this is my stumbling block with uh, with a lot of people. I again, um, you can take all of this. You can say it's history. Okay, we use these facts. Blah blah blah. Okay, so you've got all this data, and this data is objective. Um, like for example, the temperature in New Zealand in Auckland, New Zealand. In 1937, on August 15th, was this amount of Celsius, okay? And anybody from the right or left or whoever has to see that as a fact. And that's not, that is something that is beyond debate, okay? But here's the stumbling block. You're you're collecting this data for a purpose. We are goal-seeking in our communications, so whenever you whenever you you develop an amalgam of these facts, you are presenting a narrative, and that narrative, by default, can never escape the realm of ideology and enter some realm of non-disputable objectivity. That is like the idea that you could have objective journalism. It's a it's a canard. And um, it's projected, these, these ideas that you can have objective journalism, for example, is projected by power to bolster their power. So I would just say this, um, I, and I said this last week, and, and, this is, and, I, I'm, and this seems tangential, but it's actually connected. When I watch people put chemicals on their lawn, and they're close to lakes, and these are upper middle class educated people, and they put chemical for the mold. They kill the mold. They put chemicals for, you know, they know 
on a very real sense that they're, it's not good, that they're actually polluting. But the reason they do this, well, it's a form of irrationality. It's like throwing the chemicals out to kill the fire ants. Is like throwing out something to appease the gods. You know that it could cause cancer, but you believe that if you just throw this out, there's going to be some magic that intervenes, um, that intervenes where you're going to be lucky enough to not get cancer. But then you watch your lakes get ever more polluted in the process. So when I watch this for 20 years happening, and I try to interject, hey, you know, it's not good to do that. Man, I am just I just learned to keep my mouth shut because I will lose that client. So if we're at a stage where, where we're so pathological in our behaviors that we will do something that's that that is totally going to compromise our own health and our environment. This we're in a situation where the pathology is so deep and um I'm not discounting I'm not discounting you guys' program today. You're going to have conclusions, but I just fundamentally believe that it's interesting to think about these things, but then what's the point, okay, if if these things are happening, you know, what can we as human beings do on a collective, individual and collective effort to engage energy, thought, uh, and cooperate toward mitigating these effects, making things better? And I think that at the end of the day that we need to tie – we need to tie what we pay attention to to our everyday lives and experience and the challenges that we have before us. But so anyway, I'm not trying to be a downer. I respect you guys. I enjoy your shows, but uh, that's just what I, my own opinion on these issues. No, you, you make some very good points, um, and I, I wanted to address a couple of them. Um, so let's say you read two articles. You have. And they're both about what's occurring in Syria. When you read one that's in the Washington Times, and another one that comes from a you know an ind- independent journalist that you might read um, on on SOT or RT or, or some other uh, independent outlet that isn't beholden to this uh, to a power click. Uh, obviously, you're going to get some very different takes on on what is occurring in Syria. Um, and I think the point is that, you know, you can, you can argue uh, for a certain point of view and you're going to, even if it's not perfect, um, our thought is, and, and you probably agree because you, you see how the world is so pathologized, uh, that there is going to be a piece of information that is, or or a narrative, that is more objectively true than what you're getting from that Washington Times article. I disagree. Um, now, I disagree. You, and you know why? Is that right? I why. I'll, I'll disagree, and I'll tell you why. When I read the mm-hmm. Washington Times or, or the Guardian, there are unstated assumptions, and the assumptions are this. The United States' power is beneficent. United States is a stabilizing force. Capitalism is good. So all of these unstated assumptions undergird what is said and what is omitted from the narration. So when you read the Washington Times about Syria, they won't ask the question like, hey, you know, 
why is the United States and France, why have they been so pathetic and unable to stop the spread of ISIL? Uh, could it be because their real goal is to get rid of Assad? So they're letting ISIL... Per- See, you won't hear that. You will not hear that in the establishment corporate pro-empire news because, right. because these unstated assumptions. Now, from my standpoint, when I read a really kick-ass analysis by Pepe Escobar, Joaquin Flores, um, Syrian girl, Manuel Austin writer, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. These are people that are very, they want to bring down the empire. I am a, I'm in that camp. I want the empire to go away. I want there to be a multipolar power world where Russia, Russia, China, um, you know, come to the fore to challenge U.S. imperialism. And, um, yes, and it could be argued that I'm a little bit naive that, that, well, Russia and China, in my opinion, wouldn't be as brutal in imposing their various kind of power machinations or, or whatever. But, anyway, it just comes down to the assumptions, and I don't think that there's that one is truer than the other. It's just that what I'm recognizing is that with my goals is going to be more congruent with what y'all say about it because you guys are kind of on the same page. You'd like there to be more democracy in the world. You'd like there to be less imperialism. You'd like there to be less violence. I'm in that camp. So I'm definitely a, I'm a, I'm a committed, dyed-in-the-wool anti-imperialist. And then I have my own assumptions built into my narration which there's not a there's not an objective truth undergirding any of it. It's going to be uh, an argument that you present to the people. It's either more compelling, makes more sense, it's more it's more visceral, or it's going to be less compelling. So, when I believe in the the realm of narration of human events, only more or less compelling that are that are at issue. So. Is, it's well, kind what of about like, is there a um, is there a difference between I mean truth and lies? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know what? That's a difficult that that's a difficult thing. I don't. I just don't believe there's an objective truth that can be concretized. And when it comes to history or human events, there can be either an analysis that is just more cogent and makes more sense or an analysis that just seems dissembling. It seems hypocritical. And you could call the one, the latter, the latter lies. You could call it that and you could call the other truth. But I believe in the, I kind of believe in the ant theory of consciousness, individual consciousness. I'm a little ant. You know, and I'm going to develop a narration that's true to my experience that seems cogent to my experience, but it's not. That's not going to be quote unquote the whole truth about the human condition, because that's something. That truth, if you will, using the word truth loosely, is going to be something that develops to human cooperation and developing goals and cooperation within a human community that unfolds in time. And this is a this is what you could call a postmodernist kind of postmodernist uh take on things. And I know your your show is called the truth perspective um but the more I've thought about the ideas of truth and narrations and so forth 
you know, I kind of fall into into the postmodernist camp, and but that the responsibility of people that want to see a better world is to develop a narrative that you can get people on your side that is more compelling than the other narratives that are being people are being bombarded by, and then um, just trying to get people to cooperate in a democratic way that's that's not based on economical hierarchies that how we can improve our lives in cooperation with one another you know that to me is the most crucial thing that needs to happen if we're going to turn things around because there's not going to be one person that's going to be quote unquote the leader it's going to be us in a com- in communities that do things for our own benefit that's outside of the, the current existing power structure and that's not to say that there can't there will not be important leaders like, for example, Putin in Russia that are important for kind of rallying the tribe. You know, that's an important component as well. But anyway, I don't want to co-opt your uh, conversation. I just wanted to throw that out, and I really enjoy your show, and I'm, and I'm not trying to poop or discount the tenor of what you're saying. I just, like I said, I'm, I'm in this kind of postmodernist camp of interpretation, um, and I believe well, it's either more compelling or it's less compelling. And what's coming from the apologists and the, uh, you know, the people, the purveyors of empire in the status quo, it's just a bunch of freaking crap. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate, and I believe that more and more people are seeing that it doesn't resonate because they're seeing how things just get worse and worse and, and nothing gets better, and that's just freaking shame. We can do better as a people, as a, as a species. Well, I think we, uh, anyway, I think we thank agree you. on that. That point, Jonathan. Well, yeah, appreciate much. your call. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I'll look the rest of your program. Bye bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jonathan. We have another caller on the line. Um, we have Rob from New York. Are you there, Rob? Hi. Uh, hey, I Rob. Actually, Hi, Rob. a segue from uh, what Jonathan was talking about. You know how society has been getting worse. Um, I've been wondering about what statistics have you found with the, the comets, like uh, more sightings compared to 2014 and 2013. Uh, I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, it seemed like that, you know, in early um, 2015 that, you know, there has been uh, a slight uh, – there was a period anyway where it did seem to calm down a little bit. But uh, Sot had a, a really remarkable um, report from, you know, looking at just these past, um, you know, this past decade, and the dramatic increase is—it's just—it's just phenomenal to see. It's like a, you know, the the graph is—it's an exponential uh, line uh, for for the increase. Um, so you know, I think it is certainly something that. And we're seeing more and more of um there does seem to be periods where it you know dips and and then excels again, yeah, I mean, I agree i uh this is anecdotal, but uh a few weeks ago, I was in my car yet again, and uh you know i I saw a flash in the sky that resembled a piece of fireworks, and uh I was uh kind of um Stunned to realize that it was a it was some kind of near earth object or meteor coming pretty close over the highway that uh, that I was driving on. Um, I had only ever seen uh, one other 
uh, thing that that resembled it, and that was only two years ago in New York City. Um, so, uh, you know, I, you know, you read these stats and then you experience it, you see it for yourself. And, uh, it, like I was saying earlier, it, it really brings home the reality of these events in a, in a way that, um, that hasn't before. Um, but, uh, I did just want to get back for a moment to Jonathan's points, um, you know, Shane, because I thought the question you asked him is really what it comes down to. You know, you know, isn't there a difference between truth and lies? Isn't what what makes an argument or a narrative compelling to Jonathan and to others the fact uh, of of something that rings true uh, or resonates to him because it's true? Um, so, uh, postmodernist theory to to account for or explain. Um, the types of things that we discuss here on the truth perspective, I, I don't know uh, how useful uh, that is. I, I do think Jonathan's heart is, is in the right place. He's, he's Everything he's ever said here um, conveys that to me. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, I think that there are lies about our reality that we're being fed, and I think there is truth. And of course, it's hard to decipher and and to uh, strain out one from the other quite often. But uh, I think we do have some some tools, some cognitive uh, uh, abilities to recognize certain things, to research, to objectively find data that that uh, shows something uh, to be true and shows something to be false. And it's those things that that make our understanding or our, or our truth perspective compelling in one way or the other. Well, I think if everything you know was measured just on you know how compelling it was, it could be you know a very dangerous. Well, it is a very dangerous world in terms of you know battles between ideologies, and you know those are mostly won uh, by those who have the skills uh, for you know manipulation. And, uh, you know, uh, psychopaths, they just have this innate ability to compel people, really. Um, I think, you know, looking at you know, the, um, these narratives, which we all do have, you know, that, that, that I definitely agree, you know, with Jonathan on that, that you know, it, it is very hard uh, for an individual to, you know, face the narratives that, that you know, we uh, tell ourselves and that we accept. Um, but like you were saying, Alon, you know, there are these tools of looking at our biases um, and that's all a process to develop this discernment. And, you know, and that, that is really needed uh, when we're looking at uh, things that are happening on the world stage, things that are, um, that we're told about, you know, um, whether it's global warming or, you know, uh, pick a topic. Really, you know, it's it's in it's in everything. Um, so, it's uh, there. there I, I I do think that you know, there is this possibility to discover something that is that contains more truth uh, than something else. Um, you know, we might not be uh, objective in in the in the purest sense. You know, as human beings, uh, we might not have that capacity. Uh, if we can engage with other people uh, to uh, in that process of discovery, 
you know, it really does give us a leg up. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's a that's a critical part. Yeah, I think it goes back to the story, I don't know where it's from, but about the elephant and there's a bunch of blind men and each can feel a piece or part of the elephant and when you put them all together they have the picture of the whole elephant. And I think that what's true is gonna change with new information. So what's true last week might change with new information this week. I mean I think it's remaining open to that. Well truth is the journey and um at some point, you know, maybe we will have a divergence of realities. But it, the world will look just totally different to these these different factions and hopefully the truthful one will, you know, be the one we're in. Yeah, it does seem to be, you know, um levels of, you know, what we can see. Um and, you know, you can kind of define it or look at it uh in in terms of you know how a an animal you know views the world uh they may see uh, a ball uh shrinking in size when you know it's actually moving away so you know as we as we gain information um you know we're we're expanding our ability to uh interpret um the you know the reality around us and you know that constant uh input is is really essential and um it, it when one of the things that kind of stuck out for me was um when you know Jonathan mentioned about you know we have these facts and we have this data point you know from this temperature from you know whatever year uh but the thing is these facts are being manipulated and we can look into these things and you know so if we have a false foundation you know that's uh that that's where you know that's where it kind of like the um train goes off the rails yeah yeah it, it's it's all built basically you know on lies then you know then and and that's that's really what uh, i think a lot of um scientists and um political commentators and, and so on you know, if they have this this idea of the world based on these skewed things, then you know the the rest of it is all off. And you know, who wants to go back to square one? You know, not well, too many people. His, historians with uh, the quest of truth, such as as Laura Nightjotic, um, do do that, and you know, the the results are astoundingly different. Well, um, we did have a little information uh, about certain sounds that people were hearing and uh and experiencing around the planet um trumpet sounds and and things of that ilk i know meg that you were looking into that a little bit yeah a little bit i we have some clips to play um but just based on research if you read everything you can find about these quote strange sounds it's the general consensus is some sort of you know Earth-changing, shifting thing. I mean, there's something going on with the harmonics or EMF, and so it's a real phenomenon. Apparently, some is faked, some is not. Um, but what's interesting is I found um, on our forum, I found um, some references to uh, there's a book called Book of Prodigies after the 505th year of Rome, and it talks about these trumpet sounds. It says in Cephalania, a trumpet seemed to sound from the sky. There was a rain on earth, a windstorm demolished houses and laid crops flat in the fields. There was frequent lightning and by night an apparent sun shone in Pisarium. Um At Assyr, a pig was born with human hands and feet, and children were born with four feet and four hands. So 
that's a sign important. Um, there was a second entry, um, and this is, let's see, it looks like 100 BC. Um, a blazing meteor was seen far wide at Tarquinian. Uh, falling in a sudden plunge at sunset a circular object like a shield was seen to sweep from east to west um let's see um in piscinium houses were flattened by pieces of earthquake while some torn apart from their foundations remained standing out of plumb a clash of arms was heard from the depths of the earth which is kind of one of the sounds that those um these strange sounds make. It sounds like a clashing or a groaning or um and there's a couple of other um from another book called the uh, the Gospel According to Ovid. Uh, they say the clashing of arms amid the dark storm clouds and fear inspiring trumpets and horns heard in the sky forewarned men of the crime. Also the darkened face of the sun shone with lurid light upon troubled lands. Often firebrands were seen to flash amidst the stars. Often drops of blood fell from the clouds. So there's this uh, associated thing with these, these sounds, and also, you know, these more ancient uh, earth changes. Is Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have a couple of cla- uh, clips to play. Um, was there anything specific about those, Meg? Um, no, they're just um, recent. Um, one's from Japan. One's from Iceland. Uh, they're from this year. Uh, but the trumpet noise um, is pretty prevalent in them. You can hear it. And it happens. There's people who try to debunk these stories. They'll say it's a bulldozer or something scraping. And um, These places are so remote. Some of them are. There's no way a bulldozer could be there. Um, so it's just interesting, eerie, creepy sound. Okay. So here's the one. Trumpet sounds. There's high-pitched trumpet sounds. There's just the most bizarre, you know. I would call it sky music. I don't know what you would call it, but it just it's truly bizarre. Well, we have one more to play. That this is from uh, British Columbia. Let's have some of the trumpet. Does that sound like a clash of arms or a trumpet? Yeah. Creepy. It's very creepy. So with um with with these sounds that you know that you were describing and um you know there is this uh all these things even from you know biblical times and it's uh, you know we've been talking a lot about these changes and you know how they coincide with um you know, this social decline and you know, one of the really great examples uh, to look at 
uh, is uh, just is the fall of the Roman Empire because there were a lot of um, natural disasters and earth changes uh, occurring at the same time as the the fall of Rome. I mean, there was this you know this just this large um, decline in morals. You know, they the um, the emperors you know they were have they were taking uh young and young boys for for their pleasure um you know the there was just this uh, uh a lot of promiscuous sexual behavior uh and there's a lot of adultery and orgies happening and um just rampant political corruption you know going on at the at the time and you know the same with the you know their economy was falling uh they they you know, had witnessed or they experienced this, this massive unemployment, and you know it's just it's just remarkable because it's like you're describing uh, uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we look at the debauchery from the political class, and you know, and how that's kind of filtered down into society, and we're seeing the same things. Um, so. So we're seeing this thing, these these, these types of uh, connections, uh, over and over again throughout history, and you know we have to you have to wonder, you know, what is uh, what is the link? Um, you know, the Romans um, they weren't they didn't have the the vehicles to you know create massive CO two and destroy their environment, um, but. There were these, so so you know you have to wonder, you know, there's some, there's something else. Right. Well, you know, you you hear about these stories of uh, individuals who've uh, been struck by lightning several times, and you you look at the kind of statistics of you know, and the probabilities of something like that happening, and um, you know you you have to you know you have to wonder. Uh, what is it about that individual or their behavior? And it may not even be that they're pathological or, or anything, but uh, there is something uh, about them or in them that somehow uh, uh, attracts this type of uh, weather-related or cosmic phenomena, if you will. Um, so, you know, it, it's something that uh, that we have to be open about, I think. Um and uh you know to my mind it it's you know i think an easy way to describe it is the universe kind of responding in kind mm-hmm. um and, and maybe maybe that isn't so far off in some ways uh from from the fire and brimstone uh, explanation of the bible um but you know when you see these types of patterns especially since you know, the Roman Empire has been compared to the U.S. Empire so many times. Uh, um, in, in other contexts, you know, what is it about our 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 behavior um, that is that is calling upon? That's indeed what's happening. Uh, all of this, um, all of this change, all of this intensity, um, and unfortunately, you know, it it, it doesn't. It doesn't just hit the arm, the, the you know the military crew of three guys in Florida, you know, the lightning. Uh, it doesn't only um, affect uh, individuals who may or not may or may not be carriers of information and, and get struck by lightning seven times. It 
it, it also hits, you know, four Bangladesh children uh, when they're having a Children's Day uh, celebration. Uh, it also occurs um, to people in the Midwest who, who couldn't be nicer. Um, so, you know, some of it seems to be discriminate. Some of it seems to be indiscriminate. Um, I I don't think uh, it would be correct to to make a one to one correlation uh, where these things occur and 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 who they affect. Um, maybe there's this kind of global signal that we're giving off um, that that does have uh, this mass uh, that's that's kind of acting as a mass attractor for all of this um, this kind of uh, high high weirdness and in, in weather and other cosmic things. Well, in regard to uh, society and you know just the social line, you know there was there was one story that was on my mind that you know just kind of gave a um, just a depiction of you know where 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 we at where we're at uh, as a society. You know, growing up uh, as I'm sure you know many children. Uh, of the 80s, you know, uh, watched uh, Sesame Street, and I absolutely loved uh, Jim Henson. And yeah, you know, there's there's something in um, in you know the Muppets that was very innocent, and you know it was just uh, you know teach alphabet and you know those kinds of things, and um, yeah, you know, there's just kind of like an innocence uh, in it, and. I'm sure, you know, and, you know, it's still on uh, TV and you know, a lot of children uh, watch it. And so uh, recently uh, we hear that Sesame Street is going to become uh, an adult. There's, there's going to be another version of uh, Sesame Street. It's going to contain uh, these It's basically adult themes and the show's creators <clears throat> have said, you know, nothing's off limits. So you know they're going to be talking about their uh, sex lives and um, uh, the and you know these relationships uh, between Fozzie the bear and uh, and a woman and you know what, what how their child's going to turn out and um, and it, it's you know it, it's this it's it's really appalling you know it's cause, so it's going to be this an adult show but you know what, what are how are parents going to respond to that when uh, their kids come in the room and oh no, this is this is my Sesame Street. You're not supposed to watch that, you know. And um, even in the children's uh, version, uh, so the article that was up on SOT, uh had a video where basically showing where um, Kermit the Frog, or uh, I'm not sure if it's Kermit the Frog or one of the other ones, um, was talking about uh, Fifty Shades of Oatmeal. That was Bert. Oh, Bert. Yeah, and you know he's going through and just beige, brown. But the book was—he's like, "Oh, this is steamy," and and you know, of course, the kids aren't going to get it. But if they go on the internet and uh, look up Fifty Shades, you know, they're going to find some you know really perverted, uh, appalling stuff. You know, this is and the Fifty Shades of Grey uh, garbage, and you know, this is what. Um, it's the sexualization of of our youth, of our children, and uh, it's just such a uh, it, it's so disturbing uh, to see the the you know the direction that 
that we're headed. And, you know, and this is just one story out of just this uh, sea of uh, disgusting perversion. Well, I, I enjoyed the Muppets as a kid as well. I, I think I saw the first couple of movies and um, uh, like you were saying, Shane, there was an innocence to it. Uh, even if some of the humor was a, a little sophisticated, it, it was still um, kind of geared towards younger audiences. It, uh, it didn't cross boundaries that um, that were um, inappropriate. Um, and so, you know, you could, you could kind of look at that article and think, well, big deal. Uh, but it really is a kind of sign of our times, um, and, and where people's heads are right now. It's, uh, we're, we're kind of, our wires are crossed. We're, we're mismatching, um, forms of entertainment with, uh, with ideas that are, uh, incongruent uh, in some ways. Um, in any case, we're seeing it across the board, uh, and that that just seems to be one of the ways that uh, that falls under people's radar for the most part because it's the new normal, um, and the new normal is is pretty sick in many ways. Did we have any more stories that we wanted to cover? There, were, there was one that was pretty interesting. It was this, um, a Sweden school, and they asked these 13-year-olds to write. I think the, consensus, the gist was that they had read a story about a young girl who was going to commit suicide. And they told these students that they should write a letter to the mother of this girl and then changed it to say they should write a letter to their own mother, basically writing a suicide letter to their own mother. Um, and it's, it just, I was speechless when I read it because someone who's 13 years old really doesn't have the emotional or mental capability of dealing with something like that. But, and to think it's okay. I mean, the teacher got all the support from the administration saying that exercise was good and valid. Like it was supposed to teach them empathy. I'm supposed to write this letter to this mother who's suffering and then turn it around and say, Oh, it's your mother you're writing it to. It's basically your suicide note. And it's just normal. It's like there's no... The parents were outraged, but the teacher wasn't. The administration wasn't. Oh, just the teacher definitely dropping. needs to be fired. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's just that's just straight-out abuse. And... Yeah, and, you know, you see you see these stories time and time again with, uh, you know, these teachers just having these really warped um, ways of so-called teaching uh children yeah and it's it's um yeah it's basically like you have these the the predators or you have the fox in the 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 hen house basically you know and and it's it's remarkable that it's throughout um you know the the these educational institutions it's not just you know one bad apple you know, you have the administration and um, you know the principals, and you know it's just it's this um, this polarizing influence that you know we're seeing that's just so pervasive throughout society, and I mean, people should be outraged. This is you know this is what we're doing to our children, and you know this is the future. This is how we're shaping them, and you know the the um, the reality that we're creating for them is just abysmal. 
um, of trauma. I mean, tra- yeah. traumatized children, traumatized adults are easier to control. They want to go shop. They want to dissociate to make themselves feel better. I mean, you're creating a nation of zombies from, from elementary school on up. That's exactly it, Meg. You know, this is a, it's a, it's a virus to cancer. And, um, you know, the, the new Muppet Show and this uh, suicide note exercise in, in, this, in the Swedish school are all manifestations of it. And, um, you know, when you have a traumatized society uh, like what we're seeing, um, a, a society that's been programmed and taught and, and, uh, and um, drilled in dissociation, uh, you lose a, a modicum of common sense of uh of um a kind of a an inner uh intuition or balance of of what is appropriate of what isn't appropriate um i mean uh for goodness sake uh, you know something we've talked about here so much is is the sheer number of abuse cases that that uh get documented on sot every day uh they're just they're mind boggling uh they're they're shocking. Um, you know, we carried one uh, the, just the other day of a of a boy on his little Segway hoverboard in a mall who was, you know, after just questioning why he was being stopped by one of these mall guard guys, uh, was wrestled to the ground, handcuffed, and then had a taser put to his back just because he was, you know, back kind of back and and <laughs> bewildered by. The aggressiveness, him and his brother both. Uh, it's it's authority for authority's sake, and and these, you know, these cops and and other functionaries in empire are empowered to uh, to behave in these ways, um, and it's okay. It's okay because that's what others are doing, and uh, there are never any repercussions. And uh what our politicians do and, and there's never any repercussions. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it also ties in with this um you know, just this loss of discernment that that results from, you know, living and growing up in, in such a world. You know, how are uh children, you know, supposed to interpret the world around them uh with any um you know, in understanding the truth and lies. Like you know, there's it's 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 just they get lost in this dissociative bubble. You know, they withdraw, and you know they're not told how to think. They're told what to think, and you know, just uh, basically listen to authority. And that's really what the the education the educational system has has become. It's just this training ground uh, for accepting uh, these you know authoritarian measures. And you know how well you comply is how is is the basis of how good of a student you are, and you know it's not based on any development of you know who they are and you know in critical thought and creativity creativity and you know and there's and never mind there's nothing at all uh about you know the development of um you know emotions mm-hmm. and you know understanding themselves. You know that's completely missing uh, from society. You know we don't know. Uh, you know, and even in in uh, parent-child relationships, you know, there's we really don't know. We don't know squat, and uh, and we're 
we basically, you know, it contributes to uh, just this screwed up world because uh, we don't have uh, any real foundation to, uh, you know, really understand and, and look about and really care uh, about the, the things that are going on around us. Well, bringing this back to, you know, all of the types of things we're seeing here on the planet, um, you know, the earth changes, the, the shifts in climate, uh, all these types of intense phenomena that are uh, intensifying, um, you know, is it any wonder that uh, so little sense of it is being made in the major media? Uh, it, it's just this thing that is that is just kind of happening. Um, it's just uh, it's just part of everything else. It doesn't. Um, it's not uh, given any any special meaning or understanding uh, until uh, tragedy strikes, and then you're so flabbergasted and and uh and traumatized by it that you just want to get to the step of being untraumatized and getting your life back together after a flood or a tornado or an earthquake or or uh you know some other uh natural disaster um that that's kind of where we are with all this um if we can seek what's true about what we're seeing uh you know there, there's at least a possibility that our respect of it uh, can um, ameliorate its its dangers, uh, ameliorate its its um, its potential to to harm us. You know, to know of something is to be forewarned, um, and uh, I think a lot of people are are in for a nasty surprise when. The ring of fire intensifies even more when uh, they're going to experience weather phenomena that uh, that they've only heard occurring in Bangladesh or or Malaysia or some other uh, corner of the world that uh, that they that they can't point out on the globe. Um, so, well, and that kind of ties in with you know the question that you know, Jonathan had. Which you know was regarding you know well what can people do um, you know a lot of so in the ecological um, movement you know there is you know the this thought that you know okay if we you know reduce our um, carbon footprint yeah you know, our carbon footprint and so on that that can hopefully positively you know uh, impact the you know the lessening of the earth changes that we're seeing. Um, and, you know, we should be being responsible for, uh, for the earth, for the planet that we live on. You know, that, that's, that is our role. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not, I don't think it's a, an issue where, where we're saying that we don't need that responsibility. We do, right. you know, it does tie into the, the pathological nature of the world, where we don't care about you know how we how we do things and you know and the, the trash that we have and you know just the appalling conditions that we've created you know that is um, those are you know very important things um, but I think there is a a bigger picture and you know our 
one of the things that we can do, I think, is, you know, um, looking, I think it is something to try to see the world objective, uh, objectively. Now, we probably can't do that in, you know, any ultimate sense. Um, you know, we might not have uh, the capacity, but as I was saying earlier, you know, the the using the principles of, you know, working with other people, you know, community, that, that is an essential, an essential part, um, networking, uh, to, you know, to find out, you know, what is the truth and what is the lies, you know, that may tie in more than we know, um, into the, you know, the reality that, uh, that we are creating. Now there is, uh, I, I don't want to confuse that with, you know, the the new age um, ideas about, you know, you create your own reality, because that is, you know, it, it's a very uh, self-centered way of of, of thinking, um, and you know, I, I think it amounts to more of a denial of reality. You know, it's an imposition of what you want and only what you want. Uh, on to you know how reality is created and and that's not necessarily how it works um i think the um you know finding and the process of finding and discovering you know uh, what is the 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 truth what are the lies and often the truth is looking at the lies you know discovering the lies um that you know that can have um you know these this butterfly effect um and you know i think it's useful to look at it in this more nonlinear sense um it is you know more abstract but i think the more you know we um um work on these types of problems together you know that that in itself uh can be a a type of solution you know it's maybe not going to answer all the problems that we have and change the world, you know, so to speak. Um, but, you know, it can do something for our individual uh, realities that we live in. Yeah, you know, it, it, uh, it gets back to, I think, that, um, that term mapping of reality. Um, you know, when we, when we understand things a certain way, uh, that are more or less aligned, um, aligned with what's objectively true, uh, we're in a better position to act from that than, than we can if we believe lies. Um, you know, when, when scientists uh, conduct experiments, and I, and I think in one sense we can say that we're, we're conducting something of an experiment here. Uh, we're observing how we're interacting with, uh, with ourselves, with others, with uh with things on a larger scale uh we're we're testing hypotheses we're um we're getting a sense of of what works and what doesn't um uh but you know when when scientists are conducting investigations and experiments even if their protocols are repeated by other scientists uh almost exactly uh, sometimes it just happens that that second sci- set of scientists get very different results, and that's because of who they are as observers, or what their what their subconscious or or even conscious intent was when conducting the experiment. Um, so uh, the point being that um, 
you know, we as observers um, in in trying to um, align ourselves with what's true uh, and and what our intent is in searching for it, um, it's all important. Uh, you know, just because something is is compelling um, doesn't mean that it's true. Uh, and we really want to find the information that is going to take us to the next level of, of understanding of of, uh, of perceiving things as they really are until we get that next piece of data that says, okay, maybe it's a little different, but it is a process, and um, that's what we have to work with. I think as, as part of... Uh the natural cycles of things, um, the nature of nature, uh, the nature of humans, they they have to fold into each other. Um, we we live here. This is this is our habitat, but we are doing that by the grace of the earth. And um, there's uh, so many people are are just shut off from you know. Going outside, enjoying something, expending their energy there, where the earth takes that in, and and the earth gives back, you know, a, a pleasant um, outing or or something of of true value to the soul. And you know, people are in cell phones, they are in high rises, you know, they're, they're not interacting with the earth. Why, you know, how how do how do you be a non cooperative entity and still live here and not expect ramifications. I mean, every day we're, we're, we check the weather. What's the weather doing? Oh, gall darn, it's, it's not doing what I want it to do. So, you know, it's, it's a bad thing. But this is, this is you know, this, this is the environment we have to work with. This is what we have to appreciate. And if we don't appreciate it, it doesn't appreciate us back. And I think that's that's the rebalancing um, that's happening now. And we are very separated from from nature. I mean, like you said, you know, we kind of we go from our uh, enclosed homes into our car, into our cars, and then into our our office space, and then it, it's con- it's basically constantly separated from uh, from you know actual nature. Yeah, we weatherproof our houses, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's uh, and, and I think that separation, you know, it, it manifests in in so many ways, and uh, this is it, when when we do see uh, something uh, of a you know a large uh, earth changing event, like there is something about it when you're witnessing it, uh, even even in you know if, if people watch the SOT Earth Changes summaries. Like that's that's a major shock when when you watch that. Even if you're regularly watching it, it's still shocking mm-hmm. to see just the massive strength of uh, Mother Nature and and what she's capable of and and what is going on on the planet. Like it is just it's it's it puts you in a state of awe. And I think uh, you know it's it's unfortunate that so many people are separated from that and you know and, and don't don't see uh that type of global picture um because it is it, you know it is it, that's basically you know the universe talking to us and you know are are we are we listening and you know in most cases no we're not 
there's a, a great line in the movie called The Big Chill. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, his character, gets out of the car, urinates in a field, and when he's done, says to the person he's traveling with, uh, that's what I love about nature. It's one big toilet. And, um, you know, I sometimes you drive past the road and you see garbage strewn about and just, you know, people, sometimes you're driving and you see somebody chuck a cup out the window. And um, it's just disgusting. It's just, uh, it just reflects a, a larger um, a disrespect. Uh, you know, it may seem like a very small thing, uh, but it's not, you know, you have enough people regarding, you know, uh, a big field or the earth as one big toilet. And, um, you know, the toilet's going to get clogged. And uh, it, it, it's, and if it, it, if it has any kind of uh, sentience at all, I'm talking about earth here, uh, it's, it's likely to respond. I mean, uh that's kind of what we're seeing right now, in a sense. Um, so, yeah, let's respect nature. Uh, let's respect the, the, the natural process uh, that that we might have in interacting with it. I think it ties into, you know, just this uh, this hesitation or just this kind of default role that we play, which is, you know, a lack of responsibility. Um, you know, I think we're it's it's i don't know if it's it's a kind of a new idea to cons- to to think that or consider that you know i'm responsible for you know the future of um of our world of our planet i'm responsible for this planet and maybe because of the size um but i don't think it's just that because um you know we have trouble taking responsibility for small things <laughs> You know, it's uh, it, it's it, it plays out on all levels. You know, even the smallest petty things we have trouble taking responsibility for. So, you know, if we can't do if we can't do that in um, our normal everyday existence, you know, how how is it that you know we're actually going to take um, responsibility and see things uh, as they're happening on a more global level? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's just as important, too. Um, well, I, I think you raise a good point, and that is that every time we do take responsibility for the small things, uh, even in our own personal environment, we're sending out a kind of signal of order, of of respect for order, of, um, of uh, order out of chaos, and uh, that's... That's what we can strive for. That's what's in our power to do. Um, and maybe that's the first step. Maybe uh, with the intent of of showing any kind of reverence uh, for, for nature, um, we can begin in our own backyards, so to say, um, and see it as a, a statement, a reflection of, of your of your little place. Uh, so what can we do? We can start where we are uh, and and network and communicate and be open with those people who feel the same way. Uh, I came across a quote um, that I thought kind of spoke to me, and it said, the wonderfully diverse sounds of nature 
are no longer changing and evolving as usual. They are actually diminishing, thinning out, and in many cases, vanishing completely. I mean, that's a wake-up call. A deafening silence. Yeah. Coming quickly. That's one of the harder things about um, just seeing, you know, a lot of things play out is just the the silence. Um, you know, whether it's you know with the Palestinian uh, and how how they're Palestinians and how they're treated, um, and you know, it's just it's the silence that's it's it's just so it's so painful, really. You know, uh, and where there's not silence. You know, there's just this rabid um, hate and paranoia and fear, and yeah, and that's um, yeah, that, that's that's no good either. Um, but there is something just about the the silence, uh, perhaps like relating just to basically the denial of um, of you know reality of uh, of the world that you know we're living in, and you know, with what you were talking about earlier, Elon, about, you know, sending a signal. Um, yeah, this kind of ties in with uh, the idea that there's, you know, there's this information field out there and, or I should say information fields. And, you know, we're all contributing to that, whether through, uh, you know, denial, you know, that is one information field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems that there's a really... Uh, appalling uh, information field in regard to um, the things that, like uh, that, the United States has manifested through ISIS, and just a, it's you know a really dark, dark um, set of information, um, and you might think of it in similar ways of uh, brain maps. You know, the more that you um, behave in a certain way, the more entrenched uh, these brain maps become. And uh, there's also these ideas that, you know, our mind um, and, you know, it really doesn't exist in our brain. It's more outside uh, of ourselves. And, you know, and it's, it's basically, you know, what we're tapping into. Um, and so are there these other information fields relating to, a more truthful, objective reality that we can tap into, mm-hmm. and can that have um, a an impact, or can that have uh, some relationship to the things that are happening on a, a global level? Yeah, I think along those lines, it's it's like the more one travels on this road of of um, this information field, uh, the easier it becomes to uh, something else that's also a part of the field. Uh, there's a moment of uh, of recognition of um, of knowing that it's a part of the whole. Um, and by the same token, uh, it's it becomes easier to uh, sense the weight of lies uh, that are involved um, and that are trying to interject themselves into this stream of objective information. Um, of course, we don't think of it in these terms when we're reading an article somewhere or uh, having a conversation with someone whose views are different from our own. Um, but I think that's part of the 
part of the process if we're critically thinking about the ideas that are being presented to us. Uh, you know, I recognize this. This is part of uh, a dynamic I've seen before, I've experienced before, I think maybe possibly be true, as opposed to, you know, this is a lot of BS, and, and I know where that's coming from, and um, and I understand it because of this information's uh, strain of, of, uh, of truth that I've experienced over there on that end. Um, in any case, um, I think that's going to bring this show to a close this week. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it. We'd like to thank uh, <coughs> Alex Jones um, for calling. Pete, uh, Jonathan, and Rob, our callers. We'd like to thank our chatters for uh, for paying attention and and uh, and chatting. Uh, we'd like to remind you that tomorrow is behind the headlines, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and next Friday, the Health and Wellness Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> and um, until then, be wise, be strong, take care. and we'll, Go take a walk. There you go. Thanks yeah. for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>